right, welcome everybody to the Koya Pond, our Sunday morning gathering here at Woodmont Hills 945, room 202 in the East Wing. Uh, as has been the case every Sunday morning, we meet and we engage in some type of creative space, some type of creative element. We have a live audience every Sunday morning that's here in class. Uh, that can actually text in questions and things. So they're interacting uh, on our TV screen as we are interviewing our guests as well. Uh, we are a diverse community uh, that gathers simply to learn more and gain a deeper understanding of who God is. Um, here uh, on Sunday mornings right now during our fall series, we are learning more about who God is, learning more about ourselves, learning more about others by learning more about different creative spaces that are out there. Uh, we have with us this morning the man, the myth, the legend. That's what his wife refers to him as. Uh, Ryan Arthur is with us. Ryan uh, uh, has, you know, a, a job. We're going to dive into some of his job, but he has an incredible hobby, and that hobby is improv comedy. So we've asked our live audience, we've asked them, what do they know about improv comedy? It's clear, not much. Uh, from from what uh, we heard so far. Uh, welcome, listener. Welcome, live audience, to our Koya Pond podcast. This is the college and young adult class-ish, college and young adult-ish class at Woodmont Hills. Uh, we've got a great diversity of personalities, but also ages and demographics, but also we, uh, we always have a great demographic uh, or, or diverse psychographic as well, the way people think and those kind of things. Uh, this is our fall series, uh, understanding and getting engaged in kind of the creativity of individuals and learning more about the creativity of God because of that. So we're interviewing uh, people who play in very creative spaces. And we've learned over the, the course of kind of brainstorming this podcast that you can take creativity lots of different ways. There's creativity that can be had in anything. Uh, our minds typically go to the arts or, um, uh, uh, or writing or those kind of things, but uh, this is all about exploring. We all have some type of innate creativity as well. We have with us today uh, Ryan Arthur. Uh, Ryan is a member here at Woodmont Hills, and he has in the past used his skill set uh, for different things around our church because he has dabbled in the lovely sandbox of improv comedy. Uh, so we're going to be interviewing uh, him on that today. Uh, Ryan, what's the one thing you wanted to share? What, what, what are you bringing into our room today? Are you, just, are you coming off of just a very relaxing time of your life, or are you coming in hot? Ryan, let's just start there. I am running on adrenaline at this point. Uh, I had a rough sleep last night, uh, and we went to the fair last night, and Savannah's foot's bothering My wife Savannah's foot's bothering her, and so I'm was running around this morning and my son bought some Pokemon cards from a street vendor at the fair last night and is convinced that they are real. So to our, hang on one second. <laughs> We're convinced that the, he's convinced that the Pokemon cards are obviously real, but he's convinced Pokemon, the actual characters. No, no, he's real. convinced the cards. So, well, that's, a, that's probably a story from another day, but we had to argue with him about it two and a half years ago about Pokemon not actually existing, like at any point. Like he was ready to don an archeologist hat and go <laughs> dig for Pokemon bones in like the Middle East, like was convinced that at some point in Earth's history, they were on this planet. And so, but yeah, no, this was the cards that we purchased from 
the street vendor he believes are authentic Pokemon cards. So to our live audience that's here, if you guys would drop in the responses, your <laughs> what you know about Pokemon, uh, real quick. Uh, somebody even said, "Hold up, Pokemon aren't real." Like, uh, so that's news to our uh, our live audience as well. Um, so Ryan, just tell us a little bit about your family first. Who mm -hmm. you know, uh, who you're you're married, you got kids, all that kind of stuff. Just give us a kind of a give our listener a little idea of who you are. Um, so my wife Savannah, uh, we've been married. It'll be 15 years next month. 15, 14, 14. Years Yikes, Savannah. 15. Sorry, we're praying for you, Savannah. To, uh, if you're listening to this again, coming in hot. Um, <laughs> no, it's it is 15 this year. Yeah, thank you. Um, we have a 10-year-old who is on the verge of preteen uh, royalty. Uh, we have a 7-year-old who is uh, really, really good at painting his own reality. And um, we are very, very busy people. Savannah has a director job uh, for proposals for the uh, on-site healthcare clinic company. I am adjunct teaching at Belmont. Uh, data analytics. I am also doing a data evaluation program for uh, Belmont Ministries, and then I have a full-time job doing data analytics. So, which kid gives you the most trouble? Oh, Just out of curiosity. Um, yeah. um, it's. I've always told people like it's different. Like it's the same amount of work. This some advice for our soon-to-be new parents. It's the who same. Knew, amount who knew we were going to get parenting advice on the podcast today? Um, You're welcome, listener. It's the same amount of work. It's just different. Yeah. Like Everett is energetic and chaos, and so a lot of his energy has to be diverted into more functional areas rather than destruction. Although he's not a very destructive person, and then Emline's conflicts are always emotional and like authority driven and so there's a lot of like conversation and debate and and I don't do either one of those things entirely well and so um again it's the same amount of work who are they more who are they who do they take after the most Everett is my clone really which makes it interesting to parent because my initial like adult response when he does something is like no don't do but then I'm like wait a minute how would young Ryan have responded to that kind of <laughs> negative parroting approach. And so it's like I'm constantly second guessing my parental instincts and like, let's try it differently because yeah. the way you had it done to you, you didn't like. And so we can't be hypocrites here. Like, we let's do something different. Yeah. And so, um, and Emmeline is Savannah. So I, there's no arguing. Like, I, the logic train A to B to C works well and has yeah. worked well for. Yeah years and I so yeah. speaking of the logic train tell us a little bit about your day job and we're gonna get into the creative space of improv but I want to lead us there because your day job is data analytics mm -hmm. and we've had you here before to our listener we've had you here before Ryan which the interview was spectacular and um, the the facilitator uh, being me Wes Bender did not hit the record button correctly so that's part of the reason you're back but one of the things we loved exploring with you uh, was this idea that your day job is data analytics analytics and your creative space that you play in is improv comedy so tell me first about data analytics and what you like about data analytics or if you don't like your job tell us all about that too <laughs> um i i have struggled with my career many many years because i ultimately being a creative soul 
really enjoy storytelling. And to me, that's what data or data analytics kind of is. It's taking data and telling stories about how the company's doing, how decisions need to be made, what directions are we taking the company. And so it's, it's a fun way for me to tell a story. Yeah. And it's sort of outside of the box of normal storytelling. Um, I, I, I think I struggled with it because there's not like a discipline that anyone teaches in any form or function like how to do data storytelling. And so we kind of, I'm constantly met with people who are afraid of data, who want to see rows and columns of data because they don't trust the data being consumed and put into like pretty charts and graphs. And you know, there, there's, there's a very, there's a huge mistrust in just data in general because for whatever reason, our society's decided to start questioning science and facts, um, like my son. Um, it's a different podcast for a different sorry, time. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, again, I'm coming in hot, Wes. Um, but so, I, I love, I love getting to kind of, especially now with me adjuncting, I'm, I'm loving to get to kind of ease the, the calms of people or ease the fears of people with data, and it's like it's okay, it's. You can always ask questions and definitely ask questions and we can peel the layers but like ultimately if you are an executive for a company you should be spending less time analyzing data and more time running the company mm. Mm. to all of our, our, our all of our executive listeners out there mm. that, was a, that was a golden nugget for sure uh, again, a reminder to our live audience if you have questions uh, or comments feel free to uh, 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 shoot those in to our screen that we're monitoring as well. So Ron, I'm gonna tee you up with a question. Uh, a, a good example, to our live studio on us, just by a show of hands, how many of y'all immediately think storytelling when you hear data and analytics? Anybody? Uh, some people, Alberta does, our Amazon person, Adolfo does a little bit. Uh, it's certainly a different paradigm. Ron, I'd love to hear an example of how you took data and analytics, told a story out of it, and it was a big aha moment. Can you think of a can you think of a moment or something like give us bring some color to what you're saying, basically? So I worked previously with a very large uh, senior living community management company, and they wanted their administrators to have like a one stop shop. So I get in the office in the morning, I pop up, and this dashboard pops up, and it tells me what I need to do that day, and. <coughs> they brought me in to kind of shepherd the process of telling that story of, okay, this is what's happening in your community. This is, you know, this is who's working today. This is where your, your staff um, uh, vacancies are. This is what your sales pipeline looks at. This is what your move in, move outs look like. These are all of the things for you to plan your day and it was funny because the more and more people that got brought onto it they weren't living in the administrator space mm -hmm. they were in the sort of management of and so they were telling me what they wanted to know and I was like I I, I appreciate y'all's opinion um, <laughs> very politically said yes, I appreciate your opinion <laughs> this is a community dashboard this yeah. is not a divisional dashboard yeah. I'm going to a community tell me which communities you want me to go talk to. Mm. And they were like, what? And I went, 
look, if you want me to, to build something that administrators are going to log into, I need to talk to an administrator and see what they want. Yeah. And it was like an aha moment for them. They went, oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> so I got to tour several of the communities here in town and talk to them. And they they are the ones who turned the community dashboard into what it inevitably was going that's to become. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love your job? Which one? I have three of them right now. Oh, so what, are the th what are the three? <laughs> well, yeah, what are the three? Um, so data analytics is, the, is paying the bills currently. Um, adjunct teaching, I just started. I'm not very good at it. We're, we're, you know, you're never good at something the first time you do it, yeah. especially when. I mean, I'll speak for yourself. Okay, fine. But. Sorry, some of us normies, um, <laughs> when we do things for the first time, uh, it's not always pretty. Um, but I, I, I just, I love the opportunity to like pass the torch because it's yeah. like I've had a career that's just been chaotic and crazy. Some of it personally driven some of it just happenstance you know uh, the, the great recession kind of put me on a weird path for a, a short stint um but i just um i just love getting to take all of that the good the bad the ugly and like pass it on to a future generation of people so that like maybe they don't have to have it as as bad as i had it or or if they do have it as bad, they, they're they like, oh, well, I had this professor that went through something similar, and this is how he did it. So they, they have tools to kind of combat that. So That's cool. Yeah. That's um, cool. So I love that part. I love my day job. Um, I, I don't, again, it's hard working in a large organization where data's not always been sort of at the forefront. Um, unfortunately, a lot of, like, healthcare industry companies they build like a in-house homegrown application that does great at managing the like day-to-day -day operations of whatever the business model is mm -hmm. but like nobody has the foresight to go what happens when we need to like report out some of these things mm -hmm. and it's like um we don't <laughs> um what's the revenue show what, uh, what that's revenue something we should look at but like we can't manage yeah. our business model if we don't know yeah. how many patients we have yeah. coming in. And yeah. if we have no way to like get that on a regular basis, then you know, there's, there's yeah, nothing to Yeah, you're measuring report. leading indicators of right. what's happening or lagging indicators, right? Uh, there was a, a product I worked on uh, with the um, uh, CMS that was like, it was called the Bundled Payment for Care Improvement Program. And essentially it was yeah, like- I think I've heard of that, actually. B BBCI was the short, yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you, Dwayne. We have one person in our audience who clearly knew I was joking. Um, listen, save the comedy for the professional <laughs> class, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no joke, that literally came up earlier this week. Somebody told that to me, like in a text chain. I like had made a joke and they were like, Ryan, save the comedy for the professionals. <laughs> Because we were going to, and I just, it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Oh, that's good. My um, wife did that earlier already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's the, the wounded bark. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? Um, you do love your job. Yes, yeah. I do. Oh, BPCI. Um, so um, it was very interesting because the way the program worked is that we would see patients and we would participate and manage the patient in this BPCI program, but then we would do that and then th 
three months later, we would get the, the data, the claims data, to see how we had done. Three months later, like, we, 90 days of new patients have already rolled in. Yeah. And so it's like, it's this constant, like, catching up and reactionary analysis because the homegrown map didn't have something that we could translate into what claims data was going to do. So we're just constantly, like, reacting to this 90-day lag. And so we just never could get ahead of it until yeah. we finally were like, look, the, the app has to report data. Yeah. And so I'm in kind of a similar organization where it's like we have a great portal and a great app that has a lot of great content on it, but, like, pulling information out of it is just very clunky and, and difficult. And oftentimes we present stuff and it's like, can we just get rows and, and columns? And Interesting. Stuff? All right, cool. Um, so uh, the next thing I want to know is how, oh, first off for our live audience that's out there, how many of y'all have just tuned out the last uh, five minutes or so related to data and analytics? Anybody? Okay, good. How many of y'all found it unbelievably fascinating, this idea? Of course, all the Excel spreadsheet people in the world and everybody else is kind of right in the middle as well. So, Ryan, how, how did you get into improv comedy? So, tell me about when maybe you were first introduced to it and then how you engaged with it, why, what you've done in the past. See if you can make a question out of all of those words, words. I just gave you. Okay. Um, so when I was in the eighth grade, my dad took me on a business trip to Chicago. And we were looking for something to do that night. We went to the concierge desk, which I don't think is a thing anymore, but it was when I was in the eighth grade. And uh, the desk was like, I have two free tickets to go see Second City if you guys want them. And we were like, sure, yeah. My dad had no clue what it was. I had heard of it, but knew it was connected to Saturday Night Live and didn't think anything of it. So we went, and I have never felt more connected with like an art piece before. Like I just was like, I have to be part of this somehow. How old were you? Eighth grade. So okay. 13, 13, 14. Okay. Um, and so I started watching Saturday Night Live more and just fell in love with that was watching who, who was the cast on saturday night live at this time let's, uh, let's date we're gonna date ourselves a little bit here. this is like 96 so farley and uh kevin nealon and sandler and spade and carvey and like all of the sort of the height of snl yeah. uh fame and i like i was so deep into it i was i don't know if anybody remembers all that on Nickelodeon. It was basically the Nickelodeon version of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> also I, also the nickname my wife has for me. All that? <laughs> well, at least up until this one. <laughs> my wife, for the listener, my wife just cackled in the audience. <laughs> um, but it was essentially the same sort of set, like a sketch comedy show, and I was like, I, I'm going to do this. Like, yeah. this is going to be what I do. Yeah. And so I got into drama and theater and did all of that. And I just, I don't know, it, I fell out of comedy and got into like community theater and then had job, wife, kids, and it was too much yeah. for me to like learn scripts and do blocking. And I was like, I need to be on stage. I need to perform. I need some sort of outlet. What was your favorite character you played in uh, community theater? 
Um, I got to be the lead in Father of the Bride. Uh, <laughs> that pull tight. You were, the, a, were you the bride or the father? I was the father. <laughs> I wish I would have been the bride. She had a third of the dialogue that I did. Um, I had 92 pages of dialogue. It was, it was insane. Yeah. Um, and again, we're really busy people. Savannah's back went out. And so she had uh, back surgery all the while I'm going to rehearsals and oh my gracious <laughs> coming home and she's like telling me about what she saw in Oprah that day. <laughs> um, but it, it was um, it was it was just awesome because I, like for 92 pages I'm on stage. It was a three act show. It was super, so I was just I got to flex and do all of the acting things. Yeah. And um, but that was the last that was the last community theater show. No, I take that back. I did another one that was not as complicated, but again, it was like, I don't have time yeah. for this. And so uh, some friends of mine at the same theater that I was acting at uh, asked if I wanted to do improv. And I'm like, no script, no blocking. Huh. I just hop up on stage and act like a goofball for two hours. No prep. Yeah. Sold. So um, got into that, did that for about five years. Um, about two years in, decided I wanted to, um, direct my own troupe we were primarily uh performing to like eight nine year olds so we started to get a lot of the same you know give me an occupation plumber okay <laughs> i only do toilet jokes so often um they go over well with the eight and they nine do year olds, they, they're, they're going love it they're they going. are loving it um but i just i wanted to kind of explore a more mature atmosphere and also i was friends with a lot of people that had kids and it was like we never get to go out and when we do go out we try to like jam pack everything into like a short three four hour period and so i was like you know what i'm gonna find a venue that serves like dinner and and has like a stage in front of the dinner place so that like i can do shows and entertain and it's a one-stop shop and so you know, people with like kids and, and other stuff, it's like they come, it's dinner, it's a show, and then they're out, right? Yeah. Um, so I have contacted like every single restaurant in town that had a stage and found um, Madonna's in East Nashville, which sadly is no more, but they had a full menu and we performed and- uh, Here was an improv troupe that really sent them down. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely. Actually, I have a, I've been a rational vendetta. Cheryl Crow, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> Careful. Our podcast is really reaching a lot of people right I, now. So. I just need Cheryl to know. Um, I appreciate your music. Um, they, she bought, so Mad Donna's closed. And um, Cheryl Crow brought, bought the restaurant with a producer to do like a, one of those remodel dive bar restaurant sort of things. They hired a whole new staff, put like $2 million renovations into Madonna's. Things, places never looked better. It yeah. is just beautiful. And the GM is like, oh no, I'm, you are our resident improv troupe. Like, we're going to make this like an entertainment hub in East Nashville, and you guys are going to be part of it. <laughs> and we're like celebrating this, and it's our like birthday, and wonderful feelings are happening. And Monday morning, I get an email. They have literally shut down again. <laughs> And they were like, we're not going to continue staying open. <laughs> and it, they were like, they filmed the pilot. They filmed, got everything that they needed, and they were out. So, And it was Cheryl, Cheryl's fault. It was Cheryl's fault. Cheryl, Clearly. if you're listening, we meet Sunday mornings, room 202, <laughs> East Wing, uh, Woodmont Hills Church. Big mm -hmm. white building off of Franklin Road. Yep. Uh, 
So I want to know a story of, so add some color to all what you're telling us about improv and the work that you do by giving us a real story of doing improv where it was just, you were, you felt like, man, everything was humming, firing on all cylinders. And tell us a story of when, when you remember this is exactly what I love about this. And then I also want to know a story where maybe something happened where you wanted to crawl up in the corner in the fetal position and for it to just be over as well. Uh, that's what I want. You can start in, in either of those places, or you can answer a question that I didn't even ask if you'd like to. Um, that would be odd for a podcast to just <laughs> randomly started answering another question. It'd be like improv. It'd be like improv, that's right. Um, sorry for the live audience that was here the last time I told this story, but um, I one of the like running on all cylinders moment so at mad donna's the stage was like here we had like a group of tables here and there was like a bar that went through the back and we had some high top tables so that people could see but there was a it's east nashville old house there's a air conditioning unit at the end of the bar that just basically blows into another air conditioning unit so there's somewhat of a little sound barrier so it's like if if you're in the back you probably don't have the best of seats but you can still kind of hear if you like lean forward and you don't have hecklers uh sitting at the end of the bar which we did one night and they couldn't hear us and they kept interrupting us couldn't hear us couldn't hear us couldn't hear us and like they were screaming they were they were heckling you saying we can't hear you yes they whatever. were like what uh, what yeah. like it was just very we're like in the middle of a line and they would enter and they were laughing about it so we were just like okay you've crossed the point of like trying to be helpful to yeah. us to like now you're trying to steal the show which is not a good thing to do with a bunch of improvisers um <laughs> and we were we were having a good night other than that and then we did this scene where um, we were like on a couple on a beach or something and my scene partner decided that he was going to take the scene into the ocean and so he literally got off the stage went into the crowd and stood right next to these people <laughs> and looked up at me and was like can you see me swimming out here and I was like yes honey I do careful there's two crabs next to you and he's just like oh no they're telling me how loud I'm being I better swim back to shore. <laughs> they 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 did not say a word the rest of the night because it was like, oh, they can hear us up there. <laughs> so was I can't tell if that was the story about when things were bad or when things were good. See, Which one does that live in? Because I feel like you were telling it as if it was when things went good. Remember when we when, when we got after those hecklers? Yeah, it's. I have always sort of my like mantra guru I fail at it all the time but I, I like to find the silver lining in things yeah. and so like even in a very trying moment at having hecklers at a show my group was so talented that we turned it into this like existential greater I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking because it was so funny like it just he literally just like got out into the audience stood right next to these people and it's just like pretending to splash in the water and he's like just and they're like cackling next to him and then as soon as i pointed out that like they were crabs and brought them into the scene it was like oh no oh we've done bad things and so it was just again it was like it was a to me like the good the stuff that like you feel triumphant about yeah. is when uh 
it's when you've overcome something massive yeah. or, or negative or whatever. Listener, I wish you could see the energy that has come over Ryan when just talking about putting these people in their place. It's really something, uh, it's really something special as well. I right, so uh, I want to pivot just a little bit uh, as we kind of draw a little bit of conclusion to our, to our time a bit here. So from our uh, live audience, uh, Ryan, we've gotten a question. Uh, where do you Im do improv now? I don't. Um, I running the troupe for two and a half years by myself. Uh, it got to be like running a business. I was doing HR stuff and accounting stuff and was trying to expand the troupe and was calling different locations. We also had a professional development arm of the troupe where we were doing improv classes for like business professionals where we would teach like yes and skills for like salespeople so that they could improve their customer relationships. So I was man helping manage that with a curriculum director. And it just, I one night was standing at the front desk uh, checking people in and saw my cast like giggling and connecting and bonding. And I was like, I miss that. Like, this is great. I love this, but like, I missed that. And so I just, I decided that I needed to separate and try to get four other people in the cast to do all of the things. And they went, Ryan, how have you been doing this for two and a half years by yourself? And I was like, not well, <laughs> not well at all. So um, I've now transitioned to uh, adjunct teaching for improv, which is not exactly the same, but um, they pay more and they're required to sit there and listen to me. So there should be no hecklers. And if there are, I can punish them with bad grades. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought that was hilarious for whatever reason. <laughs> Uh, I'm just, if any of my students are listening, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ish. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> Most. Other questions from our audience? So, uh, Ryan, what we love to do is find out, obviously, by playing creatively, we, we learn more about who God is and the nature of God. And so just hearing your story and the stories of others that we, we interviewed throughout the summer as well, uh, we get to learn a, more about the very image of God because we were all created in the image of God. So the more uh, diversity and creativity that we get to explore. So what I'm interested in, I think sometimes we're able to get after that and learn that by discovering, by playing in this creative space, improv, or even there's a lot of creativity that you bring to data and analytics, which I don't know if anybody would ever see that, but you bring a lot of storytelling to that and creativity to that as well. What what, how does it help you learn more about yourself or more about others or more about God by playing in this creative space? That's kind of the, the ending question to each of these podcasts to help us learn more about the nature of God and the image of God as well. So by playing in these creative spaces, does it help you learn more about self, more about others, more about God? If so, how? So if you'll indulge me a little bit. I will. I'd like to go back in time. Um, so growing up, I was uh, raised in the Episcopal Church, which is like Catholic light, uh, all the Catholic light, all the dogma with half Diet, the guilt. Diet Catholic. Diet Catholic. Um, Catholic zero. And I was a, I was a an altar boy or acolyte is what we called yes, them. So I, I carried the torches now. and the crosses, and I was also a thurifer, which is the 
uh, flaming balls of incense and got to swing that around. Pause just for a second yeah. so our live audience and our listener can just picture you as that that wonderful boy up and down the aisle as well. Yeah, yeah. and that's I, a moment. And when you do it, picture 360s because I would swing, <laughs> do a full swing, and pull it back, and then do the other side, uh, and just calm, and then do another side, and then calm, and then 360, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I was so scared about burning that church down every single time I did it, but my mother made me. Um, <laughs> but I remember, but also I'm glad that I, I did it because that is, doing that is how uh, I met God for the first time. Mm. So one Christmas, I used to, we only brought the thurible out for the high holy days. And so I was asked to do our Christmas service. And when at an Episcopal Christmas service with the thurible, which is what the incense goes in, they shake incense and smoke at everything to bless it so the uh, bishop would take the the thurible and he would incense the table and he would incense us and then for whatever reason uh ryan got to incense the whole congregation and the whole church and so i um i remember the first time i did it was standing at the altar and i sensed the altar and the bishop is in his his hat and the priests are in their full Christmas regalia, and I just I was like, wow, we are this is like official uh, God stuff right now and I turn around, there are like 1100 people in Christchurch Cathedral downtown I mean there's just, it's like a stadium, right there's just a sea of people, I'm getting goosebumps again, sorry um, and I, I saw like everybody's faces, and saw like everybody's story, and life, and experience, and I like was supposed to bow to them and then all 1100 of them bowed back at me oh, wow. and I went huh and I incensed them and they all like lit up like and I could I just felt the presence of God amongst everything and it all just kind of came blowing into me and then I bowed again and then they everybody just bowed like twice as hard like it just wow. it became this huge multi-collective experience that I don't know if any of them felt the same thing that I did mm -hmm. but that's what I love doing mm -hmm. is like sitting here and seeing all of the stories in here in life gives me goosebumps every time I do it yeah. because like that's what and with improv too like I love seeing people's faces connect their story with the story that like I'm trying to tell get across entertain what, like whatever I'm doing I just this relationship yeah. I just this is where I feel God the most That's and cool. I think we are created in God's image and God's mm -hmm. super into creativity because he created us mm -hmm. um but like he created all of us. And so this is like a community, right? Like anytime there is a group of people together, that's where I want to insert myself. That's really good. It certainly helps in here that we do not have hecklers this morning, at least. Bring them uh, again. Well. I'll go out into the crowd. I will. <laughs> I'm a professional heckler dealer. I'm but. not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little glad that that I didn't do the recording right last time because I think what you just said is is very impactful 
um, the ability to connect with people and be engaged with their stories and do something that engages lots of stories together as well. There's a lot to be uh, to be discovered uh, in that as well. Well, and even coming full circle, so again, one of the reasons I loved doing Father of the Bride so much was that opening night, Kimberly Williams Paisley came to our show and she was the daughter and Father of the Bride. And in Nashville Community Theater and Community Theater in general, they have the petting zoo afterwards where all the actors line up outside and shake hands and kiss babies. And I got a million follow-up questions, yeah. but. Um, some actors are cynic, more cynical than I am. And so they, they don't like to go out afterwards. I love to go out afterwards. And particularly that night, because uh, Kimberly Williams Paisley was there and she just was beaming. She was like, oh my gosh, you guys brought so many like great memories of Steve and, uh, and working cool. with, uh, with Martin Short and like it just, uh, and I was like, you were the daughter and, and you came to our show. You didn't have to do that. But like, it, that was just, it was awesome. That is cool. Um, all right, uh, any final questions from our live audience for Ryan this morning? Anybody? Anything you'd love to hear? What's your favorite improv skit? All right, to our listener, the question is, what is your favorite improv skit? And uh, just so our live audience is aware and also our listener too, typically when we have our guests in, we all get to experience whatever creative space. So last time Ryan was in, he actually led us through some improv skits, which was hilarious for some of our class to, to participate in. Uh, but the question, Ryan, is what's your favorite improv skit? So I don't know that I have a favorite improv skit because I, I just love improv in general, right? Like when it happens, it happens and it exists in that moment and then there's no recreating it, right? Unless somebody's writing it down. I'm somewhat of an absurdist, and so one of my favorite comedy sketches is a kids in the hall sketch called The Audition. And literally this guy comes in for an audition and there's three people at a table and they say, okay, you can go ahead where, whenever you're ready. And he's, the, the actor says, can I borrow this chair? And one of the people you know, judging, or one of the casting directors says, yes, yeah, absolutely. And the actor goes, oh, no, 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 I, I had started my audition. <laughs> and they were like, oh, 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 sorry, go ahead, whenever you're ready. Can I borrow this chair? Are you gonna listen to me? Can you, can you borrow this, can I borrow this chair? What, can I borrow this chair? And the casting director's like, yes, yeah, absolutely. No, guys, I, this is my piece, like, I'm, I, this is my audition. And it just goes on like that to where, like, the end of it, the guy is just like, talk to me! Why are you not addressing me as a human being? I'm standing in front of you, allowing you to judge me and criticize me. And then he, like, walks out of the room, and the casting directors are like, is that it? And he comes back in and he goes, I'm still doing my piece! <laughs> and that was the end of the sketch. And I just, like, it's so wacky. And I just, that kind of absurd... Roller coaster humor is like my favorite. Where, yeah, it's awesome. That that was a little scary to sorry, be beside know, you sorry. right then uh, when all that was going down. All right. Well, uh, to our listener, thank you for uh, chiming in. Uh, we've got a great run of show coming up. Uh, so next week in our class, we won't be recording a podcast, but um, uh, Dwayne Towell is going to be uh, facilitating for us. 
Uh, October 1st, we have Clay McCluggage, uh, who is recently begun uh, putting together a food truck, and he is a fabulous cook. Uh, so we're going to be diving into the creative space of cooking and uh, of all kinds of different ways. Uh, October 8th, Michael from Lipscomb, who is the co-creator of VeggieTales, is going to be with us. Uh, October 15th, uh, our very own Dwayne and Lydia's daughter, uh, Aria Aria. Area is going to be with us, the creative space of cookie decorating, and yes, we will have some samples uh, as well. And then October 22nd, uh, Justin Wright is going to be with us. Uh, he plays in a lot of different creative spaces, mainly photography, but very recently he started a new business making Bible bath bombs as well. Uh, so that'll be interesting too. So that's what we have coming up. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as is typical, our tradition of ending, uh, if I could just say a quick prayer, word of prayer and blessing over Ryan uh, and thanking him to be with us. So if you would, bow with me. Lord God, thank you so much for Ryan and his family. Uh, we ask that you send a lot of love and joy and laughter to his family uh, in the midst of Pokemon conversations, uh, in the midst of parenting uh, a 10-year-old going on 24, uh, and all those things that he shared with us. God, thank you so much for him sharing his story with us. Thank you so much as we explore people's stories, we get to connect to those, and at the end of the day, we get to learn more and more about you uh, and your very image. Uh, thank you for for your spirit being alive and well uh, during this time. Uh, we also ask a prayer of blessing upon uh, those who joined us live today and those who are listening in over this podcast too. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we pray all these things because of Jesus. Amen. Ryan Arthur, let us give a good Koya Pond thank you to you.